Well, it's great to see you today, and uh, we're continuing our series in the book of James. Remember to pray for our youth. Uh, they're uh, over at Maryville, Illinois. That's where they're kind of hanging out for this week all the way through Friday. I had the chance to be over there yesterday for a little bit, and uh, about 500 youth along with youth workers and cooks and everyone else, and as Bob likes to call it, it is an invasion in that church, and so they're everywhere, but it's really an exciting week, and so again, our young people are going to be ministering down at Jewel Baptist Church in South City, and so pray for them, but there'll be youth groups going all over from East St. Louis, all around St. Louis, and be doing all kinds of ministry, so just pray for them to be used by God this week. I know it'll mean a lot to them. So if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to James chapter 4. And we're going to have the scripture up on the screen as well. But it's always good for you to be able to kind of look and follow along in your Bible. Uh, to see how your translation renders it. We'll be reading out of the New Kings James translation. So we've been doing a series this summer on the book of James. Which kind of the theme of the book is God faith really does work in everyday life. It's not something we just experience when we're at church, but out there in the highways and hedges, godly faith really makes a difference in our daily life and in our relationships with one another. A couple weeks ago, Bob talked about the power of the tongue, and uh, he did a great job. And this tongue that we have literally can cause all kinds of problems. And I love how the Bible says no man can tame the tongue. And you almost think, well, if no man can tame the tongue, we're in big trouble. But the key there is that as we walk with God, he will enable us to hold our tongue. And so we need to walk with God so our tongue will speak life and not death as we go through our daily life. Bob did a great job illustrating the power of the tongue. And then last week, Brad preached about uh, choosing to be a friend of God versus being a friend of the world. And as we choose to be a friend of God, we're choosing to submit to God and literally experience God's grace every day of our life. And so today we're going to be looking at God's grace in living every moment. Can I tell you, God doesn't want us to live tomorrow, today. He doesn't want us to live yesterday, today. But really, the Christian life is meant to be lived every moment of every day. And that's what James is going to talk about today. You know, sometimes we can carry around baggage from yesterday that really keeps us from enjoying today. Now, there are some things about uh, the past that we need to remember. How many of you know it's good to remember your anniversary, all right? Always good to remember that, and they've always told me the best way to remember your anniversary is to forget it one year, all right? But uh, so we need to remember our anniversary. We obviously need to remember birthdays. And I love how God said to the people of Israel, I want you to remember all the way the Lord your God has led you. You know, we should never forget the journey God has brought us on and his faithfulness 
over the years. And of course, when we celebrate Lord's Supper, we're to do it in remembrance of Him. And so some things about the past is good to remember, but if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of, of baggage and a lot of garbage from the past that we need to release. And God doesn't want us to ever drag that along because, again, it hinders us from enjoying today. But we also can be worried about what's going on in the future. How many of you have ever known somebody who worried? Now, of course, nobody that comes to church would worry, but we know somebody that's heard of somebody that worries. And really, all in the world worry is, is we're trying to help God figure out what's coming up. And the truth is, 99% of the stuff we worry about really never happens, all right? And so we need to learn to relax and, and give it to God. So let's look at our text today from James chapter 4. I'll read the black print. You all join in on the red, all right? Do not speak evil of one another, brother, and he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow... For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. All right, so basically, and again, in essence, what James is, is talking about is live the moment. You know, real godly faith doesn't drag the past along that you shouldn't drag, doesn't worry about the future, but literally enjoys every day. And so let's kind of break apart what we just said. He says, first of all, again, don't speak evil of one another. And now again, Bob just preached about that two weeks ago. And some of the themes in the book of James are kind of like a spiral staircase. They keep coming back to the same theme as you go throughout the book. And one of those is the tongue. And so again, James says, be careful not to speak evil of one another. I love how the, the Apostle John says, with our tongue we bless God and we curse men. How many of you know that very seldom do we get angry at God or say something negative about God? It's just his people that get on my nerves. But J James says, godly faith will cause us not to speak evil of one another. Because again, words can damage. I mean, words can destroy a life or a family. Words can destroy a church. And so if we're going to walk with God, we've got to learn to control. Now again, no man can tame the tongue. But as we walk in the Spirit, He will enable us 
to say the right things, all right, and not damage. Because he goes on to say, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Now, what James is saying is that if I'm a critical person, and how many of you know, I, I love back in the back, back years ago, there was a, a lady in church super duper involved and she was kind of critical of other people and her daughter said, mom, you are gossiping. You are talking negative. And her mom said, honey, I'm just sharing concern. <laughs> and the daughter said, mom, that's, uh, that's wrong. And you know what the Holy Spirit told the mom? She's right. Sometimes we don't even realize what we're saying. And in case you're not sure how your words are, just ask your children or ask somebody that lives with you. Amen. Sometimes we can fake it on Sunday for a little bit, but you don't fake it when you're out there by yourself or you're with your family. And so again, our words are important. And James says, when you begin to be critical of another brother or sister, what you're doing literally is becoming a judge. You're putting yourself on a pedestal and you're beginning to judge the process that God has that person on in becoming more like Jesus. And so I picked on Gary in the early service and he still came back. God bless him. Now, if I was critical of Gary, and I don't know anything bad about Gary, I haven't talked to Shar much, but I, I don't know anything bad about Gary, but you know, if I were to say something negative about Gary, what I'm doing is saying to God, God, you're not doing a very good job on him. Get with it. I literally, as I begin to judge, I put myself in a position, or as I speak evil, I put myself in a position of being a judge. Now, let me just say, how many of you think God is big enough and faithful enough to stay with Gary? And so I need to be careful not to criticize someone and not to put myself in that position of being a judge. Oftentimes when I do that, God says, you need to go look in the mirror. How many of you know that we're all a work in progress? So really, the truth is, but God is faithful. Aren't you glad that God is going to stay with Gary? God is going to stay committed until Gary becomes more and more and more like Jesus, along with Shar's help, of course. But anyway, God uses our spouse to help us in the process. But again, now this idea of judgment, again, is something James had already talked about. But like a spiral staircase, he comes back to that very thing. Do not judge. And when you speak negative, in a sense... You are judging that person, all right? And you're also judging God's process. He goes on to say that if you are a judge of the law, you're no longer a doer of the law, but a judge. So in other words, that if you are critical and if you're putting yourself in a position of a judge, you're no longer living the life. God wants us to be a doer. He wants us to experience Every day, and so we need to make sure that we're not judging. And so every day we get up, we're either a doer or we're a judge. And James says, make sure you let God do the judging because he goes on to say, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy who are you to judge another? And so again, we need to be careful. We need to let God do the process. How many of you think God's big enough? How many of you think God's faithful enough? 
And so we got to know that if I see a flaw in Gary's life, I got to be saying, God, man, I am so excited that you're still with him. And I am so excited that he is still in the process. Because I'm glad God is still working on me. I love that song that says he made the whole world in seven days and he's been working on me for 62 years. Aren't you glad God is patient with us? I'm so thankful. And so he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. And so sometimes, again, instead of living today, and that's what we're talking about today, God wanting us to live the moment, sometimes we're thinking about and presuming upon the future. But he says, not only do you not know what's going to happen tomorrow, he literally says, even today, you don't really know you've got today. I mean, you may have plans. How many of you know where you're going to eat lunch or think you know where you're going to eat lunch? You guys are lying. (laughs) You guys are, nobody knows. Nobody has a clue where you're going to eat lunch. God bless two of you here. I ask in the 8 o'clock service, I mean, if you know where you're going to have lunch, not one hand raised. Now, I know we plan better than that. How many of you have ever been sitting at lunch talking about where you're going to have supper? I always loved, by the way, to hear those birds singing. How many of you ever been woke up with birds that just had a big fat worm and they're out there just singing away, singing away? Now, if that was a Baptist bird, they'd be hanging their heads saying, I wonder where lunch is going to be. I wonder where lunch is going to be. They're just happy. They're just living the moment. And really, James 4, what we're talking about is godly faith. You live the moment. You know, we can't live go back and, and redo yesterday. We can't, re, we can't live tomorrow. We can only live today if God allows us. But the truth is, we don't even know if we have today. We don't know how many moments God is going to give us. How many of you know, how many of you have a cell phone? How many of you know that one text, one email, one phone call could change your life forever? You never know when that call is going to come that tragedy has struck. We do not know. We never know what moment. It was several years, about 15 months ago that I had my stroke, 85% blockage. The doctor called it a widow maker, which meant I think I should have died. But we were in staff meeting when I had my stroke. I still remember. We were in staff meeting going over the calendar. We were planning what God was going to do in the church. We were going over the calendar when the stroke hit. Now, I think it's okay to do some planning, but I want to tell you, if we don't include God in that thought process, if we're planning what we're going to do apart from God without God, that's where we got problems. How many of you know we only have this moment? Man, a reminder, you never know when you'll get a phone call. You'll never know when your life will forever change in a moment, in an instant of time. That's why James is saying, man, 
enjoy God every day, live the dream every day. I remember going to the QT some time back. I was tired. It was a, near the end of the day. I was hot, and so I was kind of worn out. I had several things on my plate. I was juggling. I walk in. I see someone I knew. I said, hey, you know, how, you, know you do that Christian thing. Hey, how you doing? He goes, I am living the dream. I thought, what has he been drinking? I have been living the dream. And I thought to myself, I should have said that. That would have been cool if I would have said that. Wouldn't it be great every day when people say, how are you doing, man? Say, I am living the dream. I mean, everything God has brought me through for 62 years was for this day. So I could enjoy this day, this moment in time. Somebody after the second service came out and said, well, it made him think of somebody that he worked with or somebody he knew that he would ask them how they're doing. He said, best day of my life. Best day of my life. And he thought, I didn't know if he was kidding or not. But wouldn't it be great to have that attitude that every day, this is a day that God has given us. And this is a day he wants us to live in its entirety. Because we don't know when that moment will come. We don't know when we'll step across or tragedy will strike. But we have this moment. We have this moment to give to God. And that's what James is saying. Enjoy every moment. Don't, and I think it's okay to plan for the future, but not without that idea that God willing, hopefully we can get this done with God on our side. He goes on to say, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And I know we've talked about it. And as I get older, and I, again, I love the illustration. The best one I've ever heard. I don't know who gave it to me. But life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer it gets to the bottom, the faster it spins. I don't know if that's biblical, but it seems right. My toilet paper is flying right now. I mean, I, I feel like I am really spinning. But at times it seems slow. But you know, every day God deposits in our life 86,400 seconds. And he says, whatever that time you don't use, you lose. You can't bank time. You can't use yesterday's time. Every day we get up, by the grace of God, we have 86,400 seconds. Wouldn't it be great every day to not miss one of them? To not miss one of them. Now that we're empty nesters, Courtney has moved out. I don't know what happened. She got married and moved out. Can you believe that? I don't know what happened. But I'm trying to convince Brenda that, man, this is the best, day, the best time of our life. So far, I haven't convinced her. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Say, so, hey, we're living the dream. We're enjoying life. And really is true that no matter where we are in the process, Everything God has brought us through was for this day. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if we could just truly live every day as though this were God's gift to me and I want to use it to the fullest? Someone said that's why they call it the present because it's God's gift to us. I like that. I don't know who said that. They said, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Now, let me give you my opinion. I don't think James is saying with every single thing you do, you say, if it's God's will. In other words, when we get out of here, if it's God's will, I'm going to get a drink of water. 
If it's God's will, I'm going to go to the restroom. If it's God's will, I'm going to grab a donut that hasn't been eaten. If it's God's will, I'm going to go down and get in my car. If it's God's will, I'm going to stop and get gas. How many of you know it would drive your spouse crazy and everyone else? I don't think he's saying that. But I think what he's saying is you got to understand that literally it's God that gives us our next breath. And we need to have that attitude that it's just not what we're planning, but we have to know that God has to be on our side. And so James says, and then he goes on to say, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a bad habit. One of the definitions of sin in the Bible is here in James chapter 4 when he says, To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Sin is not just something we do. Now, obviously, transgression of the law is sin. But have you ever thought that sin is also something we're supposed to do that we choose not to do? You know, you think again about Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. You remember uh, Jesus says to the goats, I was hungry and you didn't give me any food. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. He wasn't upset over anything they did, but it was everything they didn't do. And I just want to say, every day I believe God gives us a next step. How many of you know, no matter how long your journey with God is, that today I have a next step? We all have that next step. And he says we need to learn every day to be obedient and take that next step with God and allow him that process of making us more like Jesus. But I, by nature, I'm just confessing, I'm kind of a procrastinator by nature. Any procrastinators out there willing to admit it? All right, I'm one of those guys that, you know, when I, when I had a report due, I waited till the last night, the last night to do my report. And I, every, every service I see somebody going, that's terrible. But that's, that's how, but in the Christian life, when we know God has asked us to do something, we just need to obey him and we need to trust him that that's what he wants us to do right now. And know a lot of people have told me, man, one day I plan on selling out to God. One day when things get settled down, I'm going to really give my, my all to God. Can I tell you, there's no better time than right now. Because we don't know what we got tomorrow. We don't know if we got next month. So I want to give you five things real quick that I think every day we just need to make sure we nail down. Number one is salvation. Isn't it interesting that when the Bible speaks about salvation, it's always in the right now because we don't know if we have tomorrow. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You know, I wish I could say that we always knew that we had another day. And I think back in my life of how many people have said to me, one day I want to get saved. One day I want to go to heaven. But right now I want to have fun. I can't tell you how many people have said that to me. And I want to say that it's sad that sometimes the devil convinces people that if they give their heart to Jesus, that somehow they're going to be miserable. Isn't that crazy? I believe that it's only then that we experience real life. 
And what I want to do is right now, I want to just take a minute. This is not the invitation, but it's kind of an invitation moment. Yeah, I don't even know if we have to the end of this service. But maybe you're here today, and maybe your name is on our church roll, but you're not sure your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life. I wish I could say that everybody's going to make it, but I, I, I can't say that. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. I want to ask you the most important question I could ever ask you. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to step into eternity today, that Jesus would welcome you into the kingdom of heaven because you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? There may be someone here today, there may be more than one person here today that is planning on doing that one day. But you know, God has given you this day. And I, I want to just pray a simple prayer. And if you're here today and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, I want to encourage you not to put it off. But I pray that today would be the greatest day of your life, that you would give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. It's not important that you pray every word, but I think it's important that you're sincere with God. Dear Jesus, I realize that you have given me this moment. I know that you died for me on the cross and you died for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And right now, I just open up the door of my heart. I invite you into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer, I believe it's the greatest day of your life, a day that you made an eternal decision with Jesus Christ. Salvation, again, is always spoken of in the present tense because we do not know we have tomorrow. Second of all, I believe baptism is one of the first steps of obedience. If you have been saved and you've never followed the Lord in baptism, I believe it's the very first act of obedience. What a beautiful testimony of a person being put down in the water, which I believe symbolizes his old life being buried. And as they come up out of that water, it's a symbol of their new life in Christ. I love, someone was just sharing with me, they went to a baptismal service. Uh, I don't know who it was, but they said when they were baptized, they shot off fireworks. I thought, that is cool. I don't know if it's biblical, but I like it. I mean, baptism should be a great, great celebration. When someone makes that commitment publicly that they've given their life to Jesus, and in the Bible, they immediately, after they were saved, the first step was to be baptized. Now, I have had family on occasion ask me, say, can we meet up at church on a Thursday night and just kind of do the baptism just with our immediate family? We're kind of a private family. Now, even though I, I think that would maybe be okay, I, don't, I think God wants us to do it publicly. I don't think we should ever be ashamed that we've given our heart and life to Jesus. It should be a great celebration in the church when someone gets baptized. So if somebody can figure out some fireworks or something, let me know. I'd love to do that. that I think it should be a great, great celebration. So if you're here today and you've never been baptized, I just want to encourage you to take that step of obedience. I believe you'll be blessed. Uh, 
Uh, how many of you remember uh, uh, Bonnie, Ken and Bonnie Matlock? Ken and Bonnie, two of the most godly people I think I've ever met. But Bonnie grew up and she was in a church where they did not baptize by immersion. I believe she was saved. I believe she's on her way to heaven. But before they moved, she was in a wheelchair and she said to me, I feel like God wants me to be baptized. And so I was excited and, you know, and then I was trying to figure out how we're going to do that. She was in a wheelchair and this is one that I'm confessing to you I did on a Saturday. I didn't want to do it on a Sunday because I wasn't sure what I was doing, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was embarrass Bonnie. I didn't want to embarrass her. So I said, let's do it on a Saturday. Let's have your family, friends come up, and we'll do the baptism. And so I still wasn't sure exactly, and so I put the wheelchair in the baptistry. I measured how high the water should be so the water wouldn't obviously go over her head. How many of you think that's a good idea? And so I got everything, measured it out. We had everything ready to go. Bonnie came up here. She was in the wheelchair, and uh, that was Corey was here. And so Corey and I just literally lifted the wheelchair step by step by step into the baptistry. We got her down in the baptistry. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of baptisms, and they're all pretty special. But this one was pretty special. Well, here was Bonnie. Later in life, she was in a wheelchair, but it was something she just felt like God wanted her to do. And so that day, we had the privilege of baptizing her, and we kind of tilted the, the wheelchair back. And as we were putting her head down, what I didn't think about was her body began to float up. I realized I should have had a seatbelt on her, all right? But anyway, so I'm trying to hold her down and baptize her, and, and we were just having a, a great time. It was a baptism I will always, always remember. And that's why we didn't do that one on Sunday, by the way. But for the most part, it should be a public thing. But I tell you, I could not have been more proud of Bonnie. I said, I just appreciate that childlike act of obedience, and I said, I know God has to be pleased because I had goosebumps all over my body when we were doing that. Number three, is there anyone that you need to forgive? Now, I want to tell you, it's so easy to carry bitterness, to carry that baggage of unforgiveness, and if you've been around at all, and this is something God's dealing with me about, and I'm kind of going through some things, and I want to tell you, God wants you to release anybody in your IOU book. And how many of you know we all have that little IOU book that we pull out, and if somebody has wronged us, and I'll use Rick here, who has not wronged me, but if, if Rick does wrong me, or I think Rick's wronged me, I pull out my IOU book and I say, I owe Rick. And if I have Rick in my IOU book, can I tell you, every time I see Rick, I don't see him as a brother in Christ. I see him as somebody who owes me. You owe me, man. I, can't, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what you did to me. I can't even enjoy my meal because I'm thinking about what you did for me. Let me ask you, when you harbor unforgiveness, who, who, who tortures by it? I use the example in the middle service, if, if you're offended at David, and I can't imagine anybody being offended at David, but if you're offended at David, can we be honest, every time David's up here leading worship, you really can't enjoy worship because what you're thinking is, he owes me. 
Unforgiveness will destroy your relationship with the body of Christ. And by the way, as we've talked about before in the past, it's okay to get even. How many of you, how many of you love to get even? It's okay. It's okay. As long as you do it God's way. God says do good to those who have done bad to you. So buy them a meal. Take them some flowers. Amen. That will just bless their socks off. So can we just take a minute? I know in a crowd this size, there's got to be a little bit of baggage that we need to leave behind right now. Now, some of you may need to make a phone call. You may need to do follow through with this. But would you just take five, ten seconds, and would you just ask the Holy Spirit if there's anybody in your IOU book? And if God shows you, and I think you will know immediately, would you with gritted teeth by faith, just release that person of what they have done to you. And just kind of commit them to God's care. He'll take care of it. All right, number four, obedience. You know, James says if we know to do good and we don't do it, it's a sin. I want to say that every person here today, God has the next step for us today. Wouldn't it be great if every day we could take that next step of obedience, whatever that is? I believe today God wants you to follow through with what he's already asked you to do. So can we take another five or ten seconds? Would you just ask God, what is that next step that he has for you? And would you just be willing to obey him? And finally, every day I think God doesn't want us to miss a day without loving on Him. You know, I'm kind of thinking about my next series, which we're going to start in August, about trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. You know, there's, I look at a children. Children have an amazing ability to trust their parents. I mean, how many of you know that children think their parents can do anything? Children think their parents are rich. That's why they throw food off of their high chair. There's more. Children don't, don't ever worry about where lunch is coming from or where's supper. And what God is trying to teach me is how every day just to truly just love on God. A couple weeks ago I saw a Facebook post that changed my life. I see a lot of them now, but there was one that just I came across and I just locked in on it. And I called to ask, it was a mother, and I called to ask her, can I, can I use this Facebook post in church? And here's the post. When I saw that post and I was thinking about trusting God, and this is... Uh, by the way, most people will not know who this is, but there's two people in Franklin County that will definitely know who this is, and that's Mama and Papa. Her name is Emily Grace. That's Rick and Christy Niece's granddaughter. And when Megan posted it, this is what she posted. How's your morning going? Mine is pretty perfect. 
And I just kind of looked at that for a minute and just kind of just meditated on that. And I thought to myself, can I ask you, how much is Emily Grace adding to their finances? It's cost. How many chores is she getting done right now? But when Mama said, man, my day is pretty perfect, I felt like God say to me, that's what I enjoy. I copied this, and it's on my phone, by the way. Every day over the past couple of weeks, I've looked at that picture and say, I, I want to be Emily Grace to God. I want every day just to lay my head into his bosom. I just want to wrap my arms around him and just love on him as my heavenly father. By the way, it even inspired me to download a song on iTunes. It's a song we sing here occasionally, Good, Good Father. And every day for the last 10 days or so after I saw this picture, every day I, I play that when I'm in my car driving down the road. And can I make a confession? I am really good in the car singing. <laughs> Amazing. I turn the radio up loud enough. When I hear that song, you're a good, good father. I think of Emily Grace. You know, I don't think God wants us to live one day without enjoying his love. And just trusting in our heavenly daddy. That he's going to help us through the process. I can't live tomorrow. I can't relive yesterday. I've only got today. What would happen if we would live every day as though we were living the dream? That's what James is saying. 